that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Amen. Let's just turn a couple more pages. Uh, 26, Come Thou Fount. Come thou fount of every blessing. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, Mount of Thy. I hope you're fixed upon the mountain tonight. On the second, here I raise my sign of victory. Hither by Thy help I'm come, and I know by Thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. From danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to praise how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, find my wandering heart to be. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh. Let's turn over to page. Let's see what I got here. 380. A special request by Rachel. Jesus saves. She's learning it, so hopefully we all get to hear it at some point soon. <laughs> Amen. Jesus saves. Page 380. If you don't know that, you got to know. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steps and cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell to sinners far and wide. Jesus say, hey, how about those people in your office? Sing ye islands of the sea, echo back the ocean caves. Her shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let's do the fourth as the last. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, shout salvation full and free, highest hills and deepest caves, this our song of victory, 
Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Amen. Let's uh, have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for, uh, Lord, blessing us with a place to meet together, uh, blessing us with a place, uh, a country that we can gather together without uh, persecution. We pray, Heavenly Father, you would bless our time of study. Pray, God, that you would edify us with your word, Lord, that it would build each and every one of us here in this room individually, uh, Lord, but also as a church body, Father, that we would do more tomorrow than we did today, uh, Lord, for the cause of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome everyone to services tonight. Pastor Franz and Peter will be back, I think, Lord willing, sometime tomorrow, having, a, am sure, a blessed week at Heartland at their home missions conference. I went a couple years ago. I had the opportunity and the privilege, and it was, it was a great time. And I look for, hopefully, Lord willing, someday soon get to go back and fellowship with everyone out there. Um, I don't know what the announcements are. I think Saturday is going to be another regular day. It's supposed to be beautiful out. It'll be good weather to pass out tracks. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people on Steinway. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people all over Astoria walking around. Um, I'd like to be a blessing to see a lot of folks just show up and we probably, if we could, even head out to Roosevelt Station. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people there too. Uh, thirsty for the word, hungering for something. Uh, Jesus is the only thing that will fill it. Uh, our hearts have been prepared by God and created by God to crave only Him. And there's plenty of folks out there that do need the gospel. And uh, Sunday services regular. I think there's going to be a meeting on Sunday morning uh, to discuss planning for the January 22nd um, financial meeting. The, the annual meeting that we have here to go over what the Lord's done uh, in 2005 and what we're looking forward to. There's a lot coming up as far as bu big building projects. I know that much. And uh, by the end of it, it should be uh, a wonderful uh, blessing to our three language services that we hold, uh, being able to put partitions down in the basement to allow more people to meet. Uh, actually, I, I'm, I'm sorry, there's four languages. There's uh, Russian. Uh, Spanish, Portuguese, and uh, sign language. So that's four languages that we uh, we have here, and uh, that w by the end of that, that'll be a blessing. And we're going to have, I think, an international dinner. So I think we got to we got to plan out all the all the little details there for this, the twenty second. Um, and other than that, I think that's it. So let's all stand up, and we'll uh, sing one more song before we get into the Bible study tonight. Let's sing five ninety two. I love to tell the story. I hope you love to tell the story. I know I do. 592, I love to tell the story. Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story of unseen things above. Of Jesus and his glory. Of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story 
golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me, and that is just the reason I tell it now to I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And the third, I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story, twill be and his love last time I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest and when in scenes of glory I sing the new new song twill be I have loved so long I love to tell the story Twill be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> well, that stretched my vocal cords out a little bit. Hopefully tonight I'll stretch them enough to get into some preaching. We're going to do some Bible study in the book of Jude. So let's open up to the book of Jude. Who knows what the book of Jude is referred to by some uh, Bible scholars, some that are familiar with the Bible. Different books have different commonly referred to phrases. I didn't know. I thought maybe Andrew might know, but I don't think he does. The book of Jude is sometimes referred to as the vestibule of the book of Revelation. There's somewhat of a, a tie-in to what is talked about in the book of Jude, and uh, it seems like it just fits really well right, right before you get into the book of Revelation, talking about the end of days, uh, talking about the fulfillment of all things that the Bible uh, points to in all of its other 65 books. Uh, but, so tonight we'll be in the book of Jude. It's sort of a... Um, uh, you guys are sort of guinea pigs. Uh, pardon the expression. Uh, this is a part of a, an assignment that Brother Franz and I had to put together uh, for our mint class. And usually what I've focused on in the past is developing sermons that would be fitting for a Sunday morning worship service. But I thought, well... 
I went through and I, I was able to break the book of Jude down into three different lessons as a series. So I thought I'd just start with the first lesson since we're doing Bible study and try to do something that would be edifying to most of the folks that come on a Thursday. We uh, sometimes on occasion get, get, get someone that's not saved, uh, but usually members of the church are, are coming on Thursday night, so I thought it'd be fitting to, to cover something that might be edifying, and I, I hope and pray that it is. So, the book of Jude, I, I look through and see three different sections to the book of Jude. We have the introduction section where Jude uh, gives a salutation, a greeting, and then he talks about, uh, he addresses his audience who are uh, those that are sanctified, those that are preserved and called. He's talking to those who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he goes into those people who are not saved uh, but are within the church and are doing their best to undermine the work of the gospel, uh, to undermine the body of Christ. And finally, he gives a call to arms, so to speak, and uh, tells the saints to look out for these people and how to have themselves spiritually prepared for if and when they do appear. And uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to start with the first part of the book. And I've titled this series, Fighting the Enemy Within, as in within the church. And the first lesson I would liken to a battle, to a fight. And so the first lesson is called Introducing the Champs. And the subtitle will be Ways God looks upon the saints ways God looks upon the saints and uh, it will be covering the first three verses uh, so let's just start in the word of God it says Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied a beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And this is our introduction. This is the introduction. He's addressing his audience. He goes into after that, obviously, talking about certain men crept in unawares. But tonight we're going to focus on ways God looks upon the saints. In this corner, the ever-reigning champion. In the introduction in verse 1, Jude, the author of this book, introduces himself and he establishes his authority. He starts off by saying that he is first and foremost a servant, which would be fitting to an apostle. And he, uh, being the apostle, also referred to as Judas, not Iscariot, um, he... Um, picked up on what Jesus said as, as being a servant first and foremost and being the least of the brethren uh, putting others in, before yourself, putting others' needs in, in front of your own and so he, he establishes that he is saved, that he is an individual that has the authority of a saved individual to write something spiritually concerning the things of Christ things of the Bible and then he further 
proclaims that he is the brother of James. This is not the same James as the sons of Zebedee, James and John. This is... um, Thank you, brother. I I am potched. This is not the same as James and John, sons of Zebedee. This actually would be the same James that is referred to as the brother of Jesus, uh, which would be considered the half-brother of Jesus Christ, being that Mary was their mother. She bore Christ the incorruptible seed. And so he further exclaims who he is, what his authority is, and uh, why anybody who's reading this epistle, this letter, would want to continue after this point. There's plenty of folks that write letters and uh, there was a fellow on the train that uh, brings to mind. There was a guy on a train. He was handing out these things called the daily bread. This isn't the same thing as the Baptist bread. It caught my attention because he was handing them out for free. And I asked him, well, who are some of the contributors? You know, And he's like, well, it doesn't matter because it's, you know, really, it, it, are they speaking from the word of God? And I said, well, I said, you have a point there. But usually I can tell by who the contributor is. If I know the name, if it sounds familiar, if I know who the person is, usually... I don't even want to go there, even if they are pulling stuff out of the Bible. Um, like if Rick Warren had contributed to the Daily Bread, I would know right away that Rick Warren, uh, who is seriously watered down, and uh, he's he's a pastor of a very, 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 very large congregation in California. Uh, he wrote the Purpose Driven book series that's uh, a New York Times bestseller. Uh, However, Rick Warren has turned the Church of Jesus Christ into a service bureau and not a place to convict sinners of their need for repentance. And so, why would somebody want to... Knowing that author of that writing, I would not want to continue reading because I already know that what he has to say is not going to be of any uh, edification in my life as, as as a servant. So we have this introduction... Now, beyond that, the first point that I want to make is in ways that God looks upon the saints. The first one is God looks upon his saints through time eternal. God looks upon his saints through time eternal. And James, after he introduces himself, establishes his authority, he says, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So he's talking in terms of of an eternal nature. He's talking about God who has promised all those who have simply trusted in his son Jesus Christ for the payment of their sins and life eternal. And we have the first word here that are sanctified sanctified, holy, words that come to mind, holy, pure, separated. Separated is another word that comes to mind, talking about sanctified. The word sanctimonious is a word that's similar to sanctified, but sanctimonious is a word that refers to somebody who is holier than uh, holier than thou, uh, a Pharisee or a scribe someone who is works 
concerned with works, not concerned with what Jesus has done, but concerned with what they think they have to do. Sanctified. They are, by God's grace, saved through faith, and not that of themselves. Not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. The second word, preserved. And preserved. Jesus, speaking of himself as a shepherd, said that his sheep, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. There's a lot of folks that teach that you can lose your salvation. I don't know if, if you can lose something that's eternal. I don't know how that, that's possible. Um, that'd be, I guess, the same thing as being able to count something that's infinite. It just doesn't happen. The Bible makes many promises that once an individual makes that decision to simply trust in what Jesus has done for them, they are sealed. They are sealed, and against that day of judgment, they are preserved against the wrath and from the wrath of God. Preserved, protected from death and hell. Preserved, hey, kept for a purpose. Preserved, kept for a purpose. Reserved and preserved, very similar words. There's something that God has each and every one of us to do in this life. In our everyday walk, you can come across all sorts of people in the city. And man, once you can get past the like dead, dead on eight mile stair that most people, that even myself put on our faces, if you can crack that, usually people will talk to you. I have plenty of people on the street that will stop and chat. I walk, I walk and meet a lot of people uh, on my way to and from work. And in, in fact, the guy that was the guy that, that was handing out the daily breads was a seven, uh, Seventh Day Adventist, and I, I got to talking to him after that. And uh, there is plenty for us to do in in this life. Just handing a tract to the person at the grocery store. I mean, there's 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 tons of things that 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 simple everyday things we can. Make it an opportunity to, to minister to somebody. And this uh, preservation is eternal. It's a calling that is eternal. So, through time eternal, we have sanctified. Through time eternal, we're preserved. Through time eternal, we're also called. Now, Jude gets into this idea of election uh, in verse 4 talking about the certain men that crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Now we can't... Now one could look at this, I guess, through the eyes of John Calvin. One could say, well, see, you know, uh, your, your, you know your lot has been cast from the beginning of time and no matter what you do, you're going to get saved or you're not going to get saved. Now, that's, that's a lot of hogwash because the Bible is really clear in many other places talking about the choices that we have to make each and every day, uh, whether we want to choose God's way or our own way. Now, our calling is an election in that God setting up everything and 
in his omniscience, in his ability to see everything, obviously knew ahead of time he saw everything happen. He saw he sees history like we would look at on some sort of timeline stretched out before him. But we are indeed called at the same time we have made that choice to repent. We've made that choice to trust in what God has done on our behalf through Jesus Christ. But before the foundations of the earth, this calling was made. And we have a, an eternal sanctification, an eternal preservation, and an eternal calling. God looks upon his saints through time eternal. The second point, God looks upon his saints with compassion eternal. God looks upon his saints with compassion eternal. Jude says in, in verse 2, Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. His salutation, mercy unto you. The Bible says that God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. There's mercy. And so while we were yet sinners and while we are yet saints, those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ, his mercy continues in our lives. You can see his hand working in every facet of your life if you would take the time to just think about those, those merciful acts of God in your life, His grace, not just getting saved, not just being delivered from your self-destruction, not just being delivered from guilt or pain or the, 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 the empty life that one has without Christ, but even in the little things, even in the daily things, even in just the day-to-day -day of, of this life, seeing God's mercy. I, I would think that all of us here, if we wanted to think about it long enough, we could probably just sit here for days and days talking about God's mercy in our lives, the different things over our lives that God has done. Mercy unto you. <clears throat> and an example to us that Jude is giving the love that he has for those that he's written this epistle to, a general epistle, not necessarily to any particular church, uh, as some of the epistles were written, or any particular uh, group of individuals, but to all of his brothers and sisters, present and future. And obviously, with us, it's future. Oops. Good catch on the chart. Obviously, to us, it's future. We see his concern for us a couple thousand years later. And it's an example for us to, to have to one another, uh, having fellowship in the church, um, not just meeting up with folks three times a week here, but trying to do other things, trying to get out and do more things with, with each other, Christian fellowship. And mercy unto you and peace. 
compassion, eternal peace. As a saved person, we have peace that passeth all understanding. Uh, the power of God's grace in action. The power of God's grace in action. There, there's a lot of folks I know, uh, quite a few people, it's popular with some of the, the ladies that I work with to, uh, to do yoga. And I try to tell them that, you know, they're not really getting anything accomplished other than making themselves a conduit for bad spirits by twisting themselves into an antenna. Uh, it, some, it most for the most part falls on deaf ears. And you can see in their lives they, they still have turmoil. They still have underneath everything, you know. Uh, I had one lady that I talked with and I've been I've been witnessing to she uh, she said, yeah, you know, I went to yoga the other day and I, I just started crying, you know, because all these things came out, you know, and I started crying. I said, you know, that's interesting. When I go to when I go to church, when I'm done at the end of, at the end of a service, I don't I don't find myself uh, feeling that way. I find myself uplifted and, and uh, I find myself uh, with with joy, you know, and. And, uh, you know, what a difference that Jesus makes in a person's life. And so we see this peace that we have. I also thought about over the summer there was a street fair, uh, Ditmars. And at the end, Sharon and I went to this little diner um, down off of uh, 31st Street. Um, in like 24th Avenue, something like that. And there was a, um, there was this yogi, this sort of, I don't know, it was like some sort of Hindu Eastern mysticism guy. It was the same guy that Brother Gary and I witnessed to a couple years back. He, he walked, he came in kind of like limping in and, you know, he sits down. And I'm just thinking, I'm thinking to myself, uh, and they, you know, speak, they're, they're really focused on this idea of, you know, very carnal feeding the body, you know, doing these things, stretching and exercising and, and all those things. And I thought, you know, his body is deteriorating. He doesn't even see, he doesn't see how our flesh is corrupted. He doesn't, he doesn't understand that he's, you know, breaking down and making his transition to the hereafter. Uh, but he's so intent on 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 uh, trying to teach people how to be, you know, spiritual. And you would think that if one were to do all and practice all these things, they wouldn't be limping around, but rather they'd be just as fit as as you know anybody. You know, uh, like like a Jack Lalanne there, you know, pulling a a bunch of tractor trailers or whatever for his 80th birthday or one of those feats of strength. But that that just wasn't how it was. And it's because his focus wasn't on the things of God, but rather on the things of this world and things of the flesh. Uh, but peace. We have a peace. And love be multiplied. And love be multiplied. Now, we already have the love. As it is implied here, when he says, "In love be multiplied," 
We already have the love. He's saying, may you have more of it. May you have more of uh, the love of God shed abroad in your hearts. May you have more love for one another. Uh, multiplied. Three wonderful things. This compassion eternal that God has for us. In fact, even without this, these three things, talking to the saints, God's love was for the entire world when He brought Christ to Calvary's cross. Uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, a world that mocks Him a world that goes out of its way to uh, undermine him, a world that uh, blasphemes him, uh, a world that wrongs him at every turn, and even those of us who were once unsaved loved us first. Uh, Judah saying, may you have that love multiplied in your lives. I like Brother Jude. He's a nice guy. And now God, he, he looks upon His saints through time eternal. He looks upon His saints with compassion eternal. The third point I'd like to make is God looks upon His saints for a duty eternal. In verse 3 it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Verse 3, Diligence. when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. A call to arms. Man the battle stations. The common salvation is under attack. There's another gospel that's being preached. Many other gospels that people have come up with. The Mormons have their own gospel. We were talking to a Mormon again, Brother Gary and I. We, we get into some adventures. It's nice. We should uh, go out more, brother. Talking to some Mormons. The gospel means good news. We asked, he, Brother Gary asked this fella, what does good news mean? He said, well, the good news is there's 12 apostles on the earth. What? I don't know. That's another gospel. That's not the gospel that's in the Bible. That's not the gospel that's in this book here. That's another gospel. That brother did not know what the word gospel meant. And I, I pity him. And we talked with him. Maybe we rattled his cage enough. You try to do what you can. By God's grace, that man will get saved and find out what the real gospel's about. But there's another gospel. There's many other gospels. And none of them but the one that's ascribed to in this book, the Bible will do. Only one gospel. 
Let him be accursed, Paul wrote in the book of Galatians. If any man bring another gospel to you or an angel from heaven, if you see an angel from heaven come down to you, much like, I guess, Muhammad or uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Joseph Smith had angels come to him and they gave, the, they gave them another gospel. If, if he had only had the book of Galatians, and I believe he did, uh, th- both of those men uh, read enough Bible to know how to twist it. Uh, so I would guess at some point or another they must have come across that verse. And they didn't heed the warning. They instead wanted to believe the angel. Another gospel. The common salvation. The grace of God has appeared unto all men. Uh, There is one gospel most folks know. Uh, We live in an interesting time. A lot of people, if I ask them what the gospel is, they'll, they'll make a comment about music. They think it's... It's gospel music, which really nowadays isn't really uh, isn't music, uh, and doesn't have the gospel in it. But that's the day we're living in. It was needful for him, and he gave all diligence to write unto us of the common salvation. The church is being infiltrated and he goes into this in verse 4 again the church is being infiltrated in order to be destroyed undermined made ineffective uh, the the churches and we can see this and this is uh, how the book of Jude sort of fits in well and kind of transitions right into the book of Revelation where we have Christ now uh, addressing these seven churches some of these seven churches like Laodicea the 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 uh, the one everyone likes to go after, but without a doubt, that church had a lot of certain men who crept in unawares, and so Jude is bringing to to attention and to our attention, even today and especially today. I mean, as we as we hurl ourselves toward uh, just an amazing series of events in this world uh, especially considering all that's going on in Israel there is a group of people for the past 15 years called the Temple Institute they have a website templeinstitute.org they have rebuilt the vessels for the temple the golden laver they have re uh, they have re um, constructed fabricated the, the 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 garments for the priest. They have the the ephod uh, with all the stones in it. They have uh, the the hat that they wear. They it's amazing, and you can look at the on the website. And it's got all the things, and it talks about the different things, and it, you know with the priest's um, garments and all the details it goes through. Uh, the the only thing they don't have is the ark, and they they say they know where it is. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe a stray missile from Iran is going to take out the mosque there, and you know, uh, the uh, on the holy mount, and and then Israel's going to build the temple. Uh, amazing stuff going on. Just incredible. We 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 live in the the end of days. 
without a doubt. In Judas, in Jude, we say, this is another interesting thing about Jude. When he's addressing, the way he addresses this, for there were certain men that crept in unawares. <clears throat> the other epistles are giving warnings. Now, Second Peter talks about more uh, of a present situation. But the other ones, if you look at them, talk about things in the future. This is going to happen. Uh, you know, Paul writing to Timothy, uh, you know, certain things are going to happen in the end times. Uh, men are going to be lovers uh, of pleasure more than lovers of God. Uh, he gives warnings for future things. Jude is sort of like, this is happening now. Uh, and how early uh, on in the church this these things started happening and occurring. And how, how even more now, as we've as history has unfolded, gotten to a place where we're getting a lot of we're getting a, we're getting too much training from the television. I got way too much training growing up from the television. I mean I've got I've got to purge all the garbage that I had to put in my head over the years from that thing. And what a wonderful tool it's been for Satan to take an entire group of people and just turn them into uh, selfish, gluttonous, death-loving. I mean, if you, you look at our popular culture, you look at what this is, our society is pushing out, you look at what the heart of individuals is exp expressing as art, uh, it's incredible to me. But it's because it, it, the television has played a, 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 uh, an incredible role, a huge role in shaping. And it shapes and it, it affects Christians. You know, these, uh, I don't know what people would, I don't know what Baptists would have done in, in the early 1900s. Last, just a hundred years ago, if all of the alcohol advertising that one views, no matter where they are, on the subway, look, all these football games, all the professional sports, all those are, are sponsored by who and what? They're sponsored by alcohol companies. I don't, I don't think, I, I think I'd, at those, I don't know. I mean, I, at that point, I would have to say most, back then, 100 years back, wouldn't go to a game. I don't think they would. I don't think they would because they knew, hey, we're watching this because somebody who sells poison to people has given money to these teams to, in order to, to put on this show for us today. Or how, well, even the cheerleaders in these football games and, and basketball games. Good night. It's, it's filth. And, but we tolerate it. We've gotten used to it. We've gotten conditioned. We've gotten uh, uh, um, dumbed down to it. It's, uh, it's incredible. And I, it's just being inundated with it day in and day out. Jude's talking to us very important things. Being diligent. He gave all diligence to write unto us the common salvation. Not only that, but to exhort us that we should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith. Not just, you know, halfway sort of, you know, do what you can. It's all right, you know. When you have a second, if you, you know, might contend for the faith, go ahead, guys. Get together and, you know, 
see what see what can happen if you got if you got time if you got time out of your schedule contend for the faith man he wants us to put our heart into our Christian life uh, he he wants us to sell out I mean everything wholesale the whole thing he wants us to look like nuts he wants us to people. You, you, if you took your average person on the street and put them aside and you said, now listen, this is what I believe. This is why the Bible talks about casting your pearls before swine. People will not get it. They'll say, okay, so you think, okay, okay, so you think 2,000 years ago this Jewish guy was crucified for you and that he went up into the sky and he's going to come back from the sky uh, and, and, and before he does that, though, he's going to take you up there and, and then you're going to come back, and then you're going to just destroy stuff and, and clean up the world, and he's going to establish a kingdom in Israel, right? That's what you... They think we're nuts. Amen. Go for it. Think I'm nuts. Hey, earnestly contend for the faith. You know, what are we doing? What are we doing each and every day of our lives? Every day. Every day, is there something? Is there one, just one thing? I mean, you, you can't, you know, you can't just like, okay, today after the service, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to pass out tracks for 50 hours until I collapse on the ground, and then I'll be a great Christian. Obviously, you've got to work at this. You've got to struggle. Uh, being earnest, being earnest isn't easy. Being earnest takes focus. It takes concentration. It, it takes a lot of heart. It takes a lot of dedication to fight off the attackers, to contend earnestly. Contend. So they got these two words, earnestly contend. You're earnestly doing something with all of your heart. You're doing something with all of your heart. What is that? You're contending. You're getting into the fight. You're rolling up your sleeves and, you, and you're... And you're getting in there, full, full, full force, bare knuckle. Our, this is what Jude wants us to do. He's exhorting us. Whoa, that's a pretty big word. When 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 someone in the Bible says, "I exhort you," that's that's a that is a that is a command. That's not just uh, you know halfway mamby pamby. That is a command. And so Brother Jude is exhorting us to earnestly contend for the faith. Brother Jude is telling us to put our hearts into it and to fight off the attackers. There's going to be people in the church coming in with all sorts of ideas, might want to try to take the church and split it up. Now, there's a lot of folks that don't, there are a lot of folks that do purposely want to go into a church and destroy it. There are people that want to do that. There are people that wicked and evil. Then there are the folks that don't understand. They know enough about the Bible to be dangerous to themselves and to others. And they have the best intentions, but they're misguided. They get into a church, and that can start causing problems if they start sowing discord, if they start telling people, weird things and people start saying oh well, that's an interesting one I haven't heard that before tell me more 
Uh, their ears start to, you know, itch a little bit. Uh, but we're supposed to be vigilant about it. We're supposed to be wanting to uh, be awake. So we hear something funny. We can say, wait, uh, would you elaborate on that? And then say, will you show me where that is in the Bible? Uh, I'd like to see that for myself. Uh, earnestly contending for the faith means that there's going to be training. Just like a fighter, a prize fighter, how much uh, work that they put into, you know, X amount of hour, I, you know, hour and a half of fighting. I don't even know how long a, a boxing match is. It's been a long time since. It's been a long time since I watched boxing. I think the last time I watched it was when Mike Tyson bit that guy's ear. That's a long time ago. Nevertheless, Mike Tyson trained a lot. <clears throat> I don't know if he ate gunpowder to do it. I don't know what he did. He, obviously, he was out of his mind because he bit a guy's ear. But we're supposed to be training. Uh, part of being a contender is being fit. And being fit, as far as we're concerned, is being in the Word. Uh, being fit, as far as we're concerned, is being in prayer. Uh, we have this fellowship with one another. We can grow in so many different ways if we just stick to the book. Uh, we can grow in so many different ways if we allow our fellowship to grow with one another as a church and our fellowship with Jesus and ourselves. Contending. And this was once delivered, this faith. One time, one means to one people. This faith was delivered. This faith wasn't delivered in, in a couple of different ways. I hear people say there's many different roads to heaven. You know, it's the same destination. Well, that's just uh, intellectually dishonest. Um, you can't really can't really have converging uh, ideologies end up in the same place. I mean, either you're going the same way or you're going a different way. And it's very interesting. So we have this diligence, this earnest, this diligence that he wants us to have. He, he gave all diligence, I'm sorry, to write unto us. And exhorting us. Now, this is an emergency situation. To earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered under the saints. A set-aside group who he addressed in the first part of our section tonight. In, in verse 1, talking about to them that are sanctified by God and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. The saints. This faith that was once delivered, we have the faith as Christians. As born-again Christians, we have the faith that was once delivered. Other people don't have the faith that was once delivered. They have the gospel was delivered to them, but they have not received it yet. Only their personal choice will determine whether or not they have the faith as well. There's doctrine in faith. There's a doctrine in faith. There's a statement of faith. If somebody asks you, well, what do you believe? 
Well, you're going to tell them what your faith is in. You're going to tell them what your, what your belief is. What, what is it you believe? What is your statement of faith? We have this, this faith. We're the saints. No, we don't have to do special things like the, 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 the Catholics like to uh, come up with weird and, and interesting uh, things. No. No, we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have eternal life. There's no great miracle than that. The love of God. Just to wrap it up, in these first three verses, Jude, uh, just addressing us, talking to us, getting ready to give us a little more information now, but to prepare us to get ready because there's there's certain men that are crept in unawares and even within but within this these three uh, verses we have God looking upon us through time eternal being sanctified preserved and called we have God looking upon us his saints with compassion eternal that mercy and peace and love and boy uh, it's endless with God uh, he is uh, eternally he is infinitely filled with these things. Uh, there is no end to it. Uh, there is uh, water. There's a there's a fountain that we would never thirst again if we would partake of it. And that fountain has those things in it. Not only just eternal life, but boy, eternal peace, eternal mercy, eternal love. And God looks upon us, His saints, for a duty eternal, exhorting us to earnestly contend for the faith. Exhorting us to earnestly contend for the faith. It's a little book. It's only one chapter. Jude covers a lot of interesting things in this book. But boy, verse 3, man, he commands by the Holy Spirit of God, not by his will, but by the Holy Spirit of God exhorting us, even today, almost 2,000 years after he wrote this, to earnestly contend for the faith. And so, I guess, saints, I know I need to digest this far more than I, I need to digest another hamburger. Uh, I need to uh, get into this and, and uh, let it apply to my life. Um, and I, I'd hope that my uh, my sermon, sermon tonight, this little Bible study, would give you a little more. Maybe you gleaned something that you hadn't seen before. I, I hope so. I, I don't want to be redundant. I want to be able to move forward, you know. Um, but God has called us. God has given us salvation. I guess, just like anything else, what, what will we do with it? And I would have to address someone, anyone here, I don't know. Uh, if anyone here doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, then you're not a saint by the Bible definition. And getting that settled, first and foremost, would then bring all of this into the context of your life. And I would hope that... Uh, Tonight would be the night that you might inquire about how to know why you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so let's uh, let's 
just have a word of prayer real quick, and then I'm going to open up the altar. And if anyone wants to come up, just have some prayers. Uh, we can do that. We won't be long. Sharon can make her way up. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, uh, Lord, for our brother Jude. We thank you, Lord, for his love for us and taking the time to write these words. Thank you, Lord, for preserving your word for us that we'd have it today and know, Father, who you are and how much you care for us. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, build us, each and, and every one of us, in our faith. We pray, Lord, that you would build this church, God, that its outreach would be magnified by your power. Lord, that its outreach would be greatly increased this year and that each and every one of us would do more knowing that the day quickly approaches when Jesus Christ will return to claim his own. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to come up and have a, have a time of prayer at the altar, we always like to open up the altar for prayer. We'll just have the piano play tonight. said amen. I just want to remind you of our visitation on Saturday. Also, uh, after men's prayer meeting, oh, there's also men's prayer meeting. I don't know if I mentioned that before. Uh, there's going to be a little fellowship after men's prayer meeting. Some of the guys are going to get together and go to the Neptune Diner. So, uh, and just have a little fellowship Saturday. Uh, that'll probably be around 5, 5.30. And so, we'd like to invite the men uh, to that as well. So uh, with that said, uh, let's all stand, grab your hymn books if you need them. 705, let's take the name of Jesus with us till we meet again. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven.